Hello, everyone. Welcome to the California Association of Tactical Officers podcast, where we discuss a variety of SWAT-related topics. We believe tactics are a science, and the art is in how we apply those tactics. My name is Marcus Sprague. And I'm Brent Stratton. Hey, everyone. Cato President Brent Stratton and I sat down with SWAT legend R.K. Miller to discuss why and when agencies should conduct an audit of their tactical teams and what those audits look like. For those of you who don't know R.K., he was one of the plank holders that started Cato and has been involved in training tactical teams for over 30 years. R.K. is a true student of the profession to this day and has conducted multiple audits for a variety of agencies. For more information on audits and what Cato can do for you, check out our library where you can find a variety of resources, including our latest article on conducting independent audits for your tactical teams. If you or your agency are interested in having Cato conduct an independent and confidential audit of your tactical program, contact your Cato region representative or send us a message at our website or social media platforms. So, RK, talk to me about third-party audits and, and what they look like, why uh, a department may be forced to do one, and then maybe why we should do them ahead of time. Sure. It's either proactive or reactive. Uh, proactive is where, for example, a chief um, wants to know the capabilities, the um, level of expertise within his or her SWAT team. Reactive is when some event takes place, um, usually internal to the team, that uh, for one reason or another triggers in the chief's mind um, the need for an evaluation of the team. So myself and uh, other folks like Brent have uh, gone to departments and done a fairly close inspection of how their SWAT team functions, not just in the uh, entry capacity, but uh, uh, at a higher level, the command post operations, the decisions making behind the different tactical options that are exercised. And then from there, looking at policies and the SWAT manual, for example, to make sure that not only are they um, sound within a tactical aspect, but also more legally defensible and reasonable than uh, perhaps they were when we were given the assignment to look at them. And uh, I'm very happy when we can tell a chief that, hey, there's not much here, you got a good solid team, but uh, also it's uh, some ways equally um, equally rewarding to be able to, in a, re- a proactive mode, um, identify things that might save a team from grief in the future if they buy into what we're suggesting. And Brent, you've been part of that. If you want to add any observations. No, I really learned a lot from getting to uh, be a part of it. And, uh, and just kind of take an objective look, um, through it at an agency and, and what some of their, their operations are. I think it's very easy. I know within our own uh, department to look at things and, and, uh, you don't even give it a second thought because it's just how you do business. You hear the thought, well, it's the way we've always done things. We say that in such a negative sense, but a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. And, uh, we don't get outside of our own walls. We get busy with the work that we do. And it's nice to have a fresh set of eyes come in and take a look at your, your organization. You're going to pay um, the money on the front end or you're going to pay it on the back end whenever you screw something up and a plaintiff's attorney is going to come in and point out all the things that you did wrong. So I think it's wise to be proactive and to conduct audits on the front end and have somebody independent come in and take a look at things. Somebody who can have an understanding. Why is it that we do that? 
Now, why is it that you do that? Why do you have this? Why do you wear this uniform? Why do you use this type of ammunition? Why do you train this way here? And it will cause us to think and to look at things to, uh, to, to ultimately make us better. So I think it's, uh, not something that's very widespread in my experience. Um, and it's even more rare that it, it happens proactively. Um, like, so we, I've got to be a part of one with you and I know you've done several others, but, um, it's usually after something bad happens after something tragic happens, um, that agencies look at those. And I hope that that's something that throughout the state that, and throughout our profession that we'll be a little bit more proactive with. Yeah. Um, the, uh, aspect of, uh, SWAT team identifying problems before rather than after the fact is huge these days and, uh, haven't been in in situations where I've had to help defend uh, police officers or SWAT teams, I can tell you that there's aggressive attorneys and also cops who will serve as their expert witnesses, who that if a team doesn't either internally or externally with Cato or whatever, they don't do some kind of um, uh, inspection of their protocols, their manuals, their procedures, their tactics, in court someday, some expert witness from the other side will do exactly that. And then it will be much more costly for agencies based on the fact that that expert witness identified things that, like you said, could have been taken care of well in advance. Yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate that in today's era, we uh, all have shrinking budgets or at least flat budgets, and those kind of things are often cut. And uh, we gamble now to pay later. And uh, that's not everywhere. There's a lot of places that have that culture and that commitment, uh, both financially you know, and culturally, to have a third party come in and, and kind of review their tactics and, and how they're training and they're documenting and they're supervising and deploying their teams. But... My, I know my agency, we struggle with that because we have limited resources. And so we're like, well, we can't even pay for some of these basic things, let alone what we would consider that to be a Cadillac option. But I would argue that that's very short-sighted because, yes, our collateral team may not be used as much as a, as a big city team, but the liability is exactly the same. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I would argue it's worse because – my city can't absorb the amount of money that some of these bigger cities are paying for their operations. Yeah. And, and a more active team, sometimes um, they're validating, they're identifying things that need fixed just by the sheer operational tempo rather than having some inspection done. So it may be self-correcting. But if even with a big team, if there's not that effort to accept the lessons learned and make it right internally, then some external force will force them one way or another to fix the problem. I think it's uh, an opportunity, too, for uh, a commander, for uh, an operator, um, even all the way up to a, a chief of police. It's to really set the tone for that culture and create that culture where you're willing to look in and uh, be reflective and to look at your team and how things are being done and really start to question it about whether you're doing the right thing. Um, as we sit here and say, yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea, but um, I don't know that that's 
necessarily the culture um, at all departments. And I think uh, for somebody who has a level of proficiency and a level of, of passion at whatever rank within your team, to be able to take those things and, and push them forward, it might not uh, come to fruition uh, right now at this point in your career, but you might get to a point where you can positively impact that. And uh, I just encourage you that uh, to continue to push for those type of things and, and be able to look at them now in a friendly environment as opposed to waiting for some sort of a oversight organization or a lawsuit to push you uh, to push you into that. Yes, if you if you get online and you Google SWAT team disbanded and and you search for that, you'll see dozens of examples of SWAT teams that were disbanded for some of the things that they did that I'm sure at the time uh, were okay or acceptable or, you know, the way you do a business. And, and we're kind of funny because we're, we're all one profession and one army, but man, if one of us gets injured, we're not always carrying that guy. Sometimes we just kind of look and go, I don't know what that, that SWAT team got, but I don't want to catch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, a, as a country, as a nation of SWAT folks, we need to fix that. Because if we don't regulate ourselves and bring our bring us and maintain our professional standards, we'll we'll lose that ability, and someone else will do it for us. I think that uh, Cato's looking at at trying to play a, a big role in that with the Cato Operator Certification Program yes. and things that they're trying to do. Be a profession that has standards, that has tests, to be able to say it's not enough to just go to this school. Um, we want to be that constant student, uh, the, the student of your profession where you're continuing to learn like like you've been talking about, RK, and, and making that a part of our accepted uh, SWAT culture and not something that just stays within a specific agency, but something that's, that's pushed out throughout our state and, again, throughout our country. Thank you for listening to the Cato Podcast. To become a member of Cato, check out our website at catonews.org. If you have a topic suggestion, please send them to podcast at catonews.org. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and rate us on the platform of your choice.